Hello and welcome to Tell Me More Radio with Tom Shadiak. I'm your host, Jenny Cole, and we've got a lovely group of people in the room. Everyone say hi. 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 It's a pretty big group today, but we do have some special guests from Playback Memphis who we'll talk to um, about their program in, in a little bit. But we are doing the Anything Goes show tonight, which is kind of a random mix of questions and we think it's a little bit of a fun way to mix up the show. We've been talking about some awesome subjects this week about adoption and energy and altruism <laughs> and getting older. So maybe we'll bring that all together tonight. So if you'd like to call and join in, the number is 901-260-5926. And I guess I'll start with my question, which is, where do you see yourself in 10 years? <laughs> Am I in a job interview? <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's a hard one. I don't think anyone who's ever really gotten that, that I know could answer that. But I remember 10 years ago when I was 15, I would not expect to be where I am now. So really, I would just like to emotionally be a little bit more stable. (laughs) And who knows if I'll be in Memphis, but I think, um, I don't know. I don't know if I have a family yet. I'm not really on that path right now. So I'm just looking to have a good time <laughs> I don't know <laughs> not like that but <laughs> I'm looking to have a good life <laughs> does anyone else want to chime in is there a certain goal you would want to accomplish by then um I kind of want to have an a solo art show all right a photography there you show. go yeah, yeah. that's See, my that's goal something. Yeah. and I think I could do it in Memphis there's a lot of art galleries here there are there are yeah. but in 10 years, I want to live more in the present, so hmm. hopefully I can start that now. That kind of yeah, do you think goes questions? against the 10-year question. Yeah. But... <laughs> I'm going to start by not answering this question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just deny it. <laughs> yeah, I think sometimes you look too far into the future, and it kind of distracts you from what's going on right now. So, yeah. And that's a problem I've always had is being present, and that's something I've been working on a lot lately. Mm-hmm. So, Why do you think job interviewers always ask this question? Uh, sometimes I think they want to know if you're going to, you know, be willing to stay in for the long haul. Right. <laughs> and there was a job that I was looking at once where they wanted someone to be, you know, a lifetime employee. They were looking for an HR rep that would be there for 25 years or more. And mm. as soon as I heard that, I was like, no, <laughs> you can go ahead and take me off the list. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I know. Especially our generation, we can't commit to like no. a year. Even. <laughs> yeah. so. I want to be a, uh, Living in a tiny house on Wills with Josh. Aww. We can go anywhere. Yes. Where would you go first? Uh, as far north as possible, so definitely Alaska. Because <laughs> okay. we can't cross an ocean in a tiny house. You could. You could get on a, on a we boat. We could put it on a boat, maybe, but <laughs> it, we could take Finn. Yes. Finn will still be alive in 10 years. Yeah, so. he's just a puppy now. So he'll be old and he'll get to see Alaska. Oh, yeah. I think you'd fit in up there in Alaska. The, <laughs> you have the, the beard. That's the plan. <laughs> I just made it up right now. <laughs> we were talking about Alaska before you guys showed up. And oh, cool. How Julie really wants to see the Northern Lights. Uh, you can but come with us. Yeah, All you, right, we're down. You have to go when it's cold, though, which is the bummer. Because uh, in the summer, it's light 24 hours a day. Which is awesome, but then you don't get to see the Northern Lights. But I- I've seen them; they're okay. <laughs> yeah. 
awesome. should be a travel guide. <laughs> <laughs> you really the nonchalant. The things that people don't need to see. <laughs> no, they're they're worth it. Okay. I just I was there and it happened, so I wasn't going out of my way. I guess. And there's the Golden Gate Bridge. It's a bridge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah, go to Alaska. It's cold. The lights. They're fine. <laughs> Maybe we should just stay in Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Zach, would you like to answer your question? All right. So my question is, who do you owe an apology to? And oh. yeah, oh. Oh, I know. <laughs> All right. Jenny to the Northern Lights. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> that one. <laughs> Sorry, Northern Lights. You're beautiful. <laughs> they are beautiful. Uh, this one's hard for me because I usually apologize immediately. I, I don't like to let things linger or fester. I kind of like to deal with them right away. And I don't hold grudges very long. I forgive very quickly. But if I had to pick somebody I owe an apology to, I'd probably say my dad because i he's like one of my best friends. And I don't call him very often at all. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of bothering me right now. That's the first thing that came to mind. Because we used to talk like three times a week. And now I call him once, like every two weeks or once a month. Why is that? I don't know. I think just life got busier. And it's kind of like that Cats in the Cradle song. And now I'm you know, emotional. <laughs> I need to back away from that. But uh, yeah, I need to give him a call. Mm-hmm. And I guess the question was a good one because it made me think about something that I hadn't thought about in a little while. I beat up myself all the time about not calling my dad a lot or my mom. Actually, uh, I talk to them, but like, I feel bad when I miss a call and I'm like, dang, he thinks I'm too busy for him. <laughs> I get like instant guilt. Yeah, yeah. well, I talk hey, to my dad, mom every day. <laughs> like every day I talk to really? my mom. Yeah. And she usually calls me, and my dad, I haven't but talked to him. They're not like together when, like, when your mom's no. talking on the phone, your dad's not around. No, nope. because my parents will literally be on one phone and then the other <laughs> room, the other phone. That's so I try to call when they're both at home, so I don't have to tell the same stories twice. Yeah, I, my yeah. dad's not a big phone person. I get mm-hmm. that from him, so I'm not a phone person. But yeah. you know, back to just picking up the phone, and giving someone a call. One of my biggest regrets is my grandma just passed, and I just wished I called her more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, you know, my whole family lives basically in California and it's a long way for me. So the phone is the easiest way to stay in touch and I just don't do it very well. I'm not a great communicator, I guess. So. <laughs> Maybe set oh, a timer I think you're a your really phone. good communicator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you I go. <laughs> need to take more initiative, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, I hope I you do. I have to remind him to answer text messages. <laughs> I don't like text messages or email or social media or phones. So, so you just need to be in person. I, I just need to get a private jet or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's hard. I mean, I try to FaceTime with my siblings, like, when they're all at the house, but it's chaos because the babies are running around screaming, and I don't know. I tried to do that for Mother's Day, and it, it felt like I was there, though, and it was, like, an awesome half hour because I really miss being home, but I know that it's always a little bit on the surface when we do that. It's never like a deep conversation. Yeah, when I FaceTime my niece, I get nauseous because she's running around constantly. So, (laughs) With the phone in hand. It's adorable, but... Yeah, it's hard. I know. Anyone else want to apologize to anyone on air? I don't know. We've never done this before. (laughs) It's your chance. They may not even be listening. No? (laughs) Looking like you want to chime in. That's hard. I I think it's hard to apologize without really thinking about it sometimes. Well, and you first have to admit you've done something wrong, yeah. so that's mm-hmm. that's kind of hard. Yeah, seriously. I don't know. I don't know who I'd apologize to, probably a lot of people, <laughs> just over time. But I think 
time does heal a lot of wounds too, but you got to keep in touch as well. All right, Julie, you want to answer your question? Yes, my question is, in what ways do you hold yourself back? Hmm, I am very shy, and I think that's one of the ways that I hold myself back. I don't really show my work. I don't really show what I can do. I'm very self-conscious about everything that I do. I usually just collect a bunch of stuff and I never show anyone. Maybe just one little thing to like Zach or my closest friends, but you know, it's just so hard for me to show what I do sometimes. I kind of do things because I have to do, but I don't know if I want everybody to see it. Like I'm just so vulnerable when I write or when mm -hmm. I paint or whatever. And it's like, oh, I don't know if I want people to judge me for the things that I do, you know what I mean? Has there been a time where you felt like personally attacked or something when you showed your work? Hmm. Um, I guess in art school, but um, in art school, you don't really, at least my experience in art school, I didn't really make anything that I wanted to make. Mm -hmm. It was whatever they told me to do, and it wasn't necessarily things that I was passionate about. So it was like, you know, I had to work uh, many hours for something that I didn't really care about. And I guess I, guess I, I can see how I could have been judged for the things that I made, but it wasn't really me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I've I've been to art school too, and I know that critique is part of the yes. curriculum. You have to kind of gear up for the day where they're going to talk about your work. Mm -hmm. But um, honestly, it, it did help me to go to school and do yes. that. But I know it wasn't the work that I wanted to mm -hmm. be doing always. Um, but I, I, I would just encourage you to try to show your work a little bit more. And it doesn't have to be extreme like in a gallery show I know. but little things to just build yeah. up and if somebody doesn't like it they they don't matter <laughs> Julie, i think we're the same way wasn't your own personality type infp yes i got the same oh. exact thing <laughs> and i am like a writer and i'm working yes. on an animation movie mm -hmm. and i only tell like four or five people what's going on even telling them i don't want to tell them because i'm like you're not gonna get it because it's all i in know my head, so. it's like I feel like I can understand people, but people can't understand me. Yes, and and I, just recently, I was um, chosen to have one of my poems published in like between 100 people in the nation. And I, it was something I entered a very long time ago. I was just bored, and I saw something online. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll <laughs> enter this thing. And, you know, I got a letter in the mail saying I was chosen to uh, have it published in an anthology. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about this. I had no idea, but, you know, I can't. Nobody in my family knows about the poem. I never read it to them, but I'm she fine with. She won't let people read her <laughs> poem. So. I Not even you. No, he he read oh, okay. it. He read the letter before I did. He was the one that told me about it. <laughs> I didn't even know she entered into it, so I found out when they sent the mail in, and I just opened it. But yes, well, that's an awesome first step because you probably would have forgotten about it, yeah. and you I did. probably <laughs> wouldn't have gotten a rejection letter either to mm -hmm. kind of further yeah. your further your fear. But does that make you feel a little more validated now? Yes, I still think it kind of sucked, but really? <laughs> yeah, I, I I didn't feel much about it. It was just you know I just picked one of them and just threw it out there. She's got like a book full of poems that no one has ever read, Aww. like not even me. She she guards them very closely. I'm her husband, mm -hmm. and I get to read a select few, so it's well, you're lucky. Yeah. <laughs> but I understand the artist type can be very secure yeah. in their work. Um, I got a poem published in fourth grade, but that, <laughs> <laughs> that was about going and playing in the snow, which yeah. was a very emotional thing and fun. <laughs> but I don't know. I, yeah, I want to say I do encourage it. There is a book called Show Your Work by Austin Kleon. Yes, I gave that? that to Zachary. 
Oh yes, <laughs> haven't seen him ever since. So, <laughs> so he stole worked. your book. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, if for anyone listening, it's a great book about really just putting mm-hmm. yourself out there. They have a hashtag on Instagram, which is hashtag Show Your Work, and it's just kind of like getting over the hurdles and. Mm-hmm. Um, the fear that comes with being an artist. Yeah, it's just so easy to compare yourself to other people, and you, you just have to realize that your style and you know the things you do is it's different than everybody else. Mm-hmm. And I think that artists can get very self conscious about that. Yeah, yeah. So I have a question. So you guys uh, in the room do improv, right? <laughs> we do. Uh, so we'll introduce you guys in a little bit, but I just want to ask a quick question. How do you see improv fitting into that? getting over the fear factor of like showing your art showing yourself (laughs) Wayne's thinking (laughs) yeah yeah I really do have to think about that um wow um so much in rehearsal we cover addressing being vulnerable I think it's really about how do you come to terms Mm -hmm. with being vulnerable and the other level is being vulnerable in front of an audience yeah. and being okay with that. And that's um, a big step and to that's overcome. A big step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a big step to overcome. Do you personally do improv on the stage? Oh, you yes. Say, yeah, you yeah, do. It's okay. what, it's what <laughs> I do. That's what you do. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Virginia, did you have a comment? I'm, I'm negotiating this microphone. <laughs> it's an improvisation with the microphone. But yeah, I think that improvisation is about risk taking and for every human being whether you're an artist or um, a business person or a student um, you know there's always that's constantly part of the human experience of Mm -hmm. how much we're willing to take risk and how much we're willing um, to reveal of ourselves and our vulnerability and so I love improv or that because I think it's in making yourself vulnerable and willing being willing to take that risk of not knowing how you will be perceived or um, how it will land or what you know just not knowing the mm-hmm. not knowingness then allows you kind of a, a freedom and an access to energy that otherwise is not available to you but most of the time we walk around so protected Mm -hmm. I mean that's how our culture has conditioned us to be and so uh, so we don't even know that that's actually available to us and so I think that improv uh, makes you more aware of how available that is to you all the time and it's this super powerful energy uh, that can really feed your own growth as a human and Mm -hmm. then you know also the growth of any community that you're a part of. Our, our teacher, Tom, told us that the number one fear people have is actually public speaking, and number two is death. So does that make you the bravest people in the world? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I could not do what you guys do. It terrifies me to be in front of a crowd and be instantly, like it's an instant reaction you guys get. It's almost like stand-up comedy meets acting. Right? Is that kind of a... Well, what what we do is not... uh, There are comedic elements to it, but we are inviting people to share stories uh, from their lives uh, that are of any kind of variety. So people share, can share sort of everyday, you know, 
mundane kind of things mm-hmm. and then also really deeper stories. See, I think so. that might be one of those preconceived notions that all improv yeah. is comedy improv. And that's kind of where my mind went instantly because that's basically what I've been, you know, with Whose Line Is It Anyway? Or when you see shows like The Office, it's always posed as improv is humor-based. So there's also drama. There's also all these different genres to the improv kind of field. Well, specifically, and, and now we're kind of moving into the playback. I want to go. Do we need to go back to our questions? Um, we can. Let's do that. And I then think we can. We can, uh, we can take a break first, and then oh, when we okay. come back, we'll be able to have full full attention towards you guys. <laughs> so let's go ahead and go to break, and then you can dive right back in when we go back. Sounds good. Anything Shocking, but now God knows anything goes. Welcome back to Tell Me More Radio. If you guys are out there listening, we'd love to hear from you. Our number is 901-260-5926. And we're doing our little Anything Go show tonight, but we do have our special guests from Playback Memphis, Virginia, Wayne, and Eric. And... Virginia, would you like to continue the conversation about improv, um, what you guys do here in Memphis? And it sounds awesome, so I want to hear more about it. Yeah, sure. Uh, So we are an improvisational performance ensemble, and uh, at our performances, people share, as I said, true stories from their lives, reflections, moments, and then we have a team of actors and musicians, and we bring it to life on the spot. Uh, using music and metaphor and movement. And, uh, you know, it is, it is absolutely entertaining what we do, unquestionably. I think people enjoy playback, but uh, the larger purpose is that uh, we are creating a space, as you all are, for um, people to... Uh, practice the art of deep and generous listening with one another uh, and uh, to uh, be reflective about their lives and to be reflective about what is rich and wonderful in their lives and also in our lives because we are, are, are practicing playback uh, with whoever we're engaging. Mm-hmm. Um, part of the work is that we also... Uh, you know, we model the kinds of personal sharing that we're inviting. So at our performances, they always start with, uh, we have a wonderful um, beloved musician named Ekpe Abioto, and he always opens every playback experience with the call of the drum and a spirited song. So playback is very, it's a hope-centered, spirit-filled practice. And then we uh, introduce ourselves and kind of model the kinds of personal sharing that we're inviting. So we'll tell stories from our own lives, stories, you know, about being a mom or um, we also uh, are very intentional. Uh, we have a per- public performance series called Memphis Matters, and that happens six times a year. And that's really about, you know, what's it like to live and work in Memphis? Mm-hmm. You know, Memphis as a city, um that has a historical legacy of, you know, some deep pain from the assassination of Dr. King and from all of the economic and racial injustice 
uh, that he spent his life fighting for. So everything that we're doing in playback is holding that larger story that that is um, that is part of our collective narrative and looking at how do we together build a new healing narrative. And that doesn't mean that all the sharing is about, you know, that. Right. But So there is there a wide variety of emotions that happen? Yeah. Yeah. yeah imagine yeah. there'd be laughing, but maybe some crying or <laughs> just yeah. heartfelt <laughs> thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, guys want to... Did you have a question, Zach? I was just going to say everything you just sounds, uh, said sounds very familiar to what we've been trying to do here in Soulsville mm-hmm. in that you want to continue that legacy and that story of healing. And yeah, it, it was beautiful the way you said it. And mm. it kind of struck a chord. So I like that. Cool. Yeah. Um, how did you get involved with Playback Memphis? I, I was introduced to Playback in my graduate studies uh, in California. Uh, in drama therapy. I went to a school called the California Institute of Integral Studies, which was always funny to come home to Memphis and try to tell your aunt that you went to that school, the big mouthful. And, uh, and that's where I was introduced to the practice of playback. And then my husband and I were part of a playback theater company in New York City together. So there are playback theater companies all over the world. Oh, so it is cool. Yeah. Awesome. But we've, we've, we've built one that has become a model for other playback companies all over the world. And we actually hosted this year our, um, the National Center for Playback Theater hosted their winter training sessions here. So we had people from all over the world, from as far away as Nigeria and Kazakhstan, right? And where was Ali from? <laughs> I don't can't remember. Iran, maybe, I think? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, who came here to study playback and um, it was it was amazing great um, Wayne do you want to tell about your role in the, the company yeah I came on I, I forget the year um, uh, I'm, I'm a native of Memphis but I, I spent a good number of years uh, living in Atlanta Georgia um, there I, primarily what I do I'm a dance artist and I teach uh, dance at, at the college level. So here in Memphis, uh, I'm back here in Memphis, I teach dance uh, at, in the um, theater and dance department at the University of Memphis. And uh, prior to that, I was in Atlanta teaching dance at Spelman uh, College and Emory University uh, in Atlanta. So, um, so there's the teaching part and then there's the performing part. In my own work, I found myself with my dance work doing more and more improv Based or improvisation-based uh, dance performance. And uh, when I moved back here to Memphis in 2008, I think uh, Virginia saw a show, a concert. Uh, I perform also with a local uh, contemporary dance company here, Project Motion oh, cool. uh, uh, Dance Company. And, um, and, I, and I also, in my improvisational dance work, uh, interact with the audience as well. Um, and I find different ways to get the audience actively engaged during my performance. Um, and I've tried a number of different ways. So anyway, uh, so Virginia hounded me for a bit uh, <laughs> to become a part of Playback Memphis. And, uh, and I'm, I do so much, so many different jobs uh, here in Memphis. I have like eight jobs or something <laughs> like that. And um, so it, t- it took a while for my schedule to, to level out. But uh, I ended up going to a uh, Playback uh workshop from time to time uh playback will host uh community workshops where people can learn some of the practices of uh playback and 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 how that works 
And uh, from there, I, I sort of unofficially did like an intern apprenticeship where I would just come to shows but not perform. And, and so then I got folded in and I'm That's performing full-fledged and uh, involved in much of the programming that happens. Do you do normally uh, have the events in one place or is it all over the city? <laughs> it's uh, all over the city. Um, we Our Memphis Matter shows do happen in one place, um, primarily at uh, First Congregational uh, Church, they have a there's a theater space, Theater South. Yeah, and, and can I say that we we have a um, performance actually on Saturday, June fourth, at seven thirty, oh. at Theater South. So you can put that on the calendar. Yeah, put it on the calendar. You can <laughs> yeah. uh, find more about that on PlaybackMemphis.org and okay. on Facebook. Uh, and so something to know about Memphis Matters is that uh, for each of the public performances that we do, we use the ticket proceeds supported uh, with uh, individual donations to uh, allow us to bring the playback experience to a group uh, or a nonprofit that, that works with individuals who have a real human imperative to share their stories, whose voices and stories often go unheard. And so, for example, uh, just this week, we uh, we're doing something for uh, a recovery group. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Memphis Matters is a really wonderful cross-sector of uh, Memphians. So you will have in a performance, you might have on one row, you know, someone who teaches at the University of Memphis sitting next to uh, someone who last month uh, was homeless, sitting next to someone who is a exchange student from you know Costa Rica sitting just just a, a an incredible people who would not typically be in the same room together or around the table together together uh, sharing in a really intimate way and uh, it's that's awesome yeah yeah because I Memphis really is di- diverse in all ways and that's why I was drawn here because your neighbor is totally has a totally different story than you do so yeah. That's why I love Memphis. Yeah. <laughs> I've only been here three months, by the way, so yeah. I'm very new. <laughs> um, and Eric, do you want to share a little bit about your role? Can, can, can oh. I kind of set oh. Eric up a little yeah, bit? Set yeah, yeah, because yeah. I think I need to talk about performing the yeah. piece, which is one of Playback's really just the heart of our work. We have a partnership with uh, a, a, an organization called Lifeline to Success, which is just, if you do not know about Lifeline to Success, your and your life will be changed forever once you do. Uh, they are a re-entry program, and that doesn't even do justice to all they do uh, in in Fraser. But they um, they work with individuals who have been incarcerated. They uh, are contracted by the city to. Uh, eradicate blight and do and uh, Abel. I just called you my son's name. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. <laughs> Eric can share more about uh, about Lifeline. You want to chime in with something about Lifeline before I ta- talk about performing the piece? Well, we are uh, feed a lot of students at school, and we keep. The area clean around the school, clean pathway, pick up all the paper, and we got a contract with the school to cut their schools. Hmm. That's what we were doing today before I came here. But it really helps us, though. It keeps us out the streets. That's great. Nobody can't say we're doing wrong if we doing what we do to help the community. 
Yeah, I mean, and they show up for the community in extraordinary ways. I mean, they I just have the biggest, maddest, deepest love for <laughs> Lifeline to Success. It's no secret. They all know this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we uh, we train uh, lifeliners, that's what I would call them, <laughs> lifeliners, and police officers in this special form of theater. Uh, and the, the structure is that uh, they start out in separate circles um, because you wouldn't really mix police officers with individuals who've been incarcerated from the get-go. Right. Uh, and, right, Eric? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and they kind of come in like this. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about that armor that we all walk in. And we're like, they're, they kind of get my shoulders or up to my ears. I know you can't see me out there. but uh, and, uh, and so we spend the first five sessions not doing playback so much, but, uh, you know, the officers being reflective about, you know, what are the challenges and complexities of being in law enforcement in 2015 and, and just kind of waking up to, oh, okay, I'm a human being. I have feelings and needs, and I've been sort of working uh, in this institution that doesn't fully allow me to even have those, much less express them, and how's that taking a toll on me, and just kind of checking in about, you know, what's the state of my being human? And then, you know, same thing, right, with Eric over there for the lifeliners, kind of like, whoa, I've been in jail, and now I'm not, and here I am, and who am I? And then we, uh, after five sessions, um, bring folks together. And the first time that they come together and meet each other is through the medium of playback. So they're coming into, and there's, you want to share about the, Attention before. Yeah, I was the type I ain't I ain't like policing because of the things that I seen and some of it happened to me. Like I used to get blamed for somebody else, but I see things different now because I actually sat down to talk to them and heard their side. Like they say. Everybody ain't the same, mm-hmm. but we all human. So, but I got a relationship with most of them, and I be happy to see them. And I ain't got to run from them no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that's a. I mean, it's a simple like it makes people human to each other. Yeah. Oh wow! Yes, yeah. I. It yeah. sounds like a really good jumping in point for these two different worlds to kind of come together. And it, I guarantee you've had a profound effect on one of those police officers' life, too. Yeah. Oh, unquestionably. And, yeah. they, and they're not in this room, but if they were, they would be sharing in as compelling and powerful way. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it works. You know, it's this methodology that actually breaks down barriers uh, in – I, I, we have a – a psychologist that works with us that's a dear friend. Uh, his name's uh, B- Bob Niemeyer, and he always says that playback is like social therapy on steroids. Yeah. You know, you, you can just make things happen yeah. that typically would take, you know, 25 years of, you know, peace negotiations or something. It's just a powerful tool for peace building. Right. And that's you said awesome. you can enter like a new energy that you didn't know you had in totally. yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you want to say um, something, Yeah. Like one of our big, like, Themes here. I don't want to say themes, but things that we really try to work on is um, 
meeting people where they're at in their life and not like where we want them to be and like throwing expectations onto them is something that we all kind of like come together under of um, understanding and like meeting people where they're at in their life and I mean, I think that's awesome. That's Lily. You're you're living that. Yeah, and that's, yeah. That's amazing. That's uh, that's that. I, I would say that is exactly what we're trying to do. Yeah, play that, <laughs> and to be able to do that without the, you know, I, I don't. I'm not anti-institution entirely, but sometimes when we are working within institutions and systems, it can be hard to do that. And yeah. so I, um, I have valued being a part of playback for that. Well, that's a beautiful way to just bridge people together. And I don't yeah. see that just for police officers and those who are incarcerated, but so many different di- groups right, that might right. not get along originally. Right. And and here at One Family, we are one family. We are oh, brothers like and that. sisters. That's our motto. And we actually were on the front page of the Memphis Daily News. Did anyone hey, see that? Hey, awesome. Yeah. Okay, yeah, Lifeline was on the commercial of Heels. Yeah, so you guys are great. Yeah. yeah, so if you guys are out there, you can pick one up and learn a little bit more about what we're doing. Um, we're excited that we're pushing forward to build this community center here. All right. The radio show is just a little offset of that, but cool. I'm glad you guys are here to you know, give the energy that we need. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, so this show is kind of like improv today. Do you want to continue doing the questions? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but can I share one more thing? Just uh, just how the, 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 because I just think this is amazing. So after they come together and meet each other, which is simply amazing enough, Mm -hmm. right? That there's this breakthrough and they're human to each other. Then for eight sessions after that, then they learn this special kind of theater and perform it with each other. So they are sharing their stories um, and, uh, and, and witnessing and then enacting those stories for one another. So yeah. it, it, it really, and, 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 and now the individuals who've been a part of Lifeline, they uh, perform as part of the Fraser Apprentice Ensemble. Uh, and we actually did something at the Gandhi King Conference where... Uh, the officers performed with the with the lifeliners, and they actually performed in their uniforms. Oh, which yeah, I, you just you, you can't imagine just what I mean. I would like for you to say something about that. What, that was it was what, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but but there was a high enough level of trust between you know the different the officers and the lifeliners that they could do that, which I just think is extraordinary. That's amazing. Rosa, what do you have to say? Yeah, I just want to jump and say, I love Playback Memphis. It's in my heart. We love you, Rosa. (laughs) (laughs) And um, if I could pick a word for what Playback Memphis does is healing. Like Mm. I think Playback Memphis helped the community to heal. And I remember the first um, time, the first um, performance I attended, I cry like all the time. <laughs> and it's still all the time I cry. And is that the beauty that is there, the energy, the intimacy that you you feel that. And um, so I am so glad that you are here. Thank yeah, you so much. Yeah, thanks for bringing them. Glad you guys can make it on the air. Uh, we actually do have to go to another break. So we'll go to that. And then we'll come back and answer more questions. <laughs> yeah. 
parties in studio. Anything goes. When Mrs. Ned McLean, when Rockefeller still can hoard enough money to let Max go. Hello and welcome back to Tell Me More Radio. We haven't heard from any of you guys today, so I'm going to give out the number one more time. 901-260-5926. And honestly, though, I want to <laughs> keep asking more questions. So I'm going to put Rosa on the spot and she's going to answer <laughs> her question. <laughs> I know she doesn't love it, but... <laughs> okay, what is my question? How many chances do you give someone before you let them go? Oh, wow. wow. These are that side is a room. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mine's not that deep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, uh, bef- I, I need to say that uh, before, when I was very young, I think um, I didn't give any chances to anyone. And I think that came from arrogance. Hmm. Um, and seeing that um, the problem belongs to the you know to other people and i was not uh, involved in that but now at my age <laughs> um i am learning and realizing that um i am responsible also the relation part of the, i am part of the relationship any relationship so i am responsible for that and i feel that i right now i am more willing to to give a chance and also know when do I need to live and take yeah. care of myself. You don't want to get stepped on too many times. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all. Yeah, it's hard <laughs> to put a number to how many chances you could give. I don't know if anyone else like has personal experience with that. Zach? Well, something I find kind of funny about this question is there's so many different issues out there. So like... There's a difference between stealing from someone and killing someone. So, you know, there's different degrees by which you'd have to forgive someone or you have to give them chances for. So I think it's all circumstantial. Mm-hmm. But I-, I agree with what Rosa said. You know, I it, think it also could bring up the unconditional love, too. Um, you know, what, what kind of love do you have for that person? Uh, and is that a person in your life that you can easily write off? Uh, I think that's like one of the things because sometimes the people you have most, the biggest struggles with are the ones that you can't let go. And that's where you have to realize maybe while you, while you are angry at them, maybe it's something inside of you that's making, it's you that's making you angry, not necessarily like them. So what if it's a toxic type of relationship where it's constantly hurting you either physically yeah. or emotionally and it's something that occurs over and over even if they are that person that you have that unconditional love for, yeah. a lot of advice I've heard is sometimes you have to let them go in order to free yourself and them. Yeah, I think maybe the letting them go is not necessarily like the actual phrasing. Yeah. Like it's more of like putting some distance in between you, like you taking care of yourself while still having love for them. Having love doesn't necessarily mean, to me, doesn't necessarily mean that I have to be at their beck and call. Mm-hmm. I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> well, there's yeah, there's so many different ways to yeah. quote, unquote, break up. Thank and you. 
and a lot of relationships do not break up smoothly or cleanly and there's a lot of collateral and I think I've broken up with a few friends in my life oh me too and, um, <laughs> yeah. and that's harder to do yeah. sometimes or like, breaking up with family yeah yeah that's, that's the hard very one difficult. yeah I don't think I've ever done that but <laughs> I hope I don't have to <laughs> yeah and, and I think that for relationships you know it's really a question of is this nurturing mm-hmm. my growth as mm-hmm. a human being yeah. and are we able to nurture each other and if and and, and sometimes it doesn't mean that that person is not able to do that or a bad person or it just may this just may not be right now right you know the right the right person the right now and being able to assess that Mm -hmm. yeah I've definitely gone through phases of burning bridges and then I went through phases of like keeping them around but like strong bridges but it's probably not for the best because I I was going to the both extremes and I couldn't find the middle ground of kind of being like okay I need to just figure out how to be distant but not completely ruin the relationship so that's just my personal difficulty um did you want to go with your question Virginia she's I think I think you're excited (laughs) favorite subject in school and then it says in parentheses Recess, lunch, don't count. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's no fun. So first of all, like I'm not even going for that. Recess and lunch do count. And (laughs) I I really hated school. I hated it. And so I I think that my favorite subject, the only thing that uh, saved me in school was a teacher Lois Strock, who was a creative writing teacher, who uh, helped me to understand how to relate my own sort of personal journey and uh, experience with uh, the world. So I went to a school where you were expected to regurgitate a lot of information and, you know, you did well if you... I could, be, I could be getting in big trouble since the yeah. school is here. No, you're doing no. Well. <laughs> we don't know. We, we have this conversation My mom a is lot. listening and she's going to say, how could you say that on the radio? <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, St. Mary's. I think you're probably different now. But, uh, the education system is something we've talked about a lot, even mm-hmm. on this show. And so what do you think can be done? Like a lot of kids feel disenfranchised by the current system we have. It's a lot of regurgitation, studying for standardized testing. What do you think can be done to bring kids in to be interested about learning again? Because I felt the same way you did when I was younger. Yeah, well, actually, we did this. We we were working, you know, Crosstown High School. I don't know if you're aware that there is a new high school that is um, has is being designed right now that will be a part of Crosstown. And as part of that, they brought playback in to uh, work with a group of I don't know, 30 to 50 young people and ask them about their experiences in school. And one of the things that we heard so strongly was we have got to have more time to play and to just be free. They just feel like school is like prison. And so I'd like to ask you what you think that is needed to make schools meaningful and positive for kids well we need more caring people for one i think so often uh there's a lack of focus on art Mm -hmm. 
in schools, even mm-hmm. for those who aren't, you know, their immediate draw isn't to art and writing and music and acting. When students are exposed to things like that, it uh, offers them an opportunity to look at themselves and the world in a way that they don't get to in traditional classes like math and science. Yeah, and yeah. and the students, uh, a lot of them talked about feeling like that they wanted the teachers to listen to them, you know, mm-hmm. to be in relationship in which their wisdom and their knowing was valued and uh, that there was more opportunity for their voices to um, to be heard and for them to shape the kind of learning environment yeah. instead of be sort of dictated to be a part of something that they didn't have a voice in in the first place. Yeah, and both of my sisters are teachers, so I think from their perspective, now I can appreciate my teachers so much more because how how much effort goes into it. They have to plan every night, and they have to make sure everything's in order for, and one of them's, I think, a fifth grade teacher, one's like a first grade teacher, so you are, they are tired at the end of the day, and they have all this energy spent dealing with children, yeah. and I think for that kind of, that's a very important time to be aware of like how children's personalities are developing but I'm not sure because the the schools are being so strict on them and making test scores being important and they have to really be like right there to teach the children so I think really if anyone wants to be a teacher personally you have to really want you have to really want it it's not just a job it's not a nine to five it's like a whole passionate career and also I think it's important to understand that you know, so many kids uh, are experiencing trauma on so many levels. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard Lifeliners speak to one of the things that they felt was really missing most in their education was the understanding that outside of school, their basic needs were not being met. And so right. how are they supposed to come in school and perform at this level and with this focused attention when maybe they're, you know, living in a homeless shelter or maybe, you know, there are things going on at home that are really difficult. And so how do you build uh, a more trauma-informed school community to support kids? Um, Because trauma is such a part of our consciousness right now. Yeah, um, especially in Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. We did really have like a whole show about this, but we could barely delve deep into it because there are a lot of issues with the education, education system, but we kind of still want to come to that uplifting side, which is why that question's great. Yeah. What was your favorite subject or like who ch- you had a teacher that changed you or helped you a lot? Yeah. Did anyone else want to share a favorite subject? <laughs> or they just didn't have any? <laughs> In- English was mine too. Like yeah. I had an English teacher who my freshman year, he was really into music and really into books, and he just gave me like a stack of his child, like his teen books he had as a teenager, and it was just like freshman year, first week, really transformative for me because I was like kind of a weird kid, I guess, you know. And he was just like handing me a lot of stuff and let me go crazy. So it was. I remember the first time I came in, he had like a quote, a Springsteen quote, written on the board, and then he just gave me a bunch of books, and I was like, I like took all of his classes through high school. Like looking back. I maybe should have taken some AP classes or something, <laughs> but he was the only teacher that really got me through school because I hated going so much, you know, so I was just like, just stuck with him to the end. Yeah. 
For me, it was uh, definitely history class. Uh, I I remember in sixth grade, uh, I had a teacher that introduced me to Greek mythology in a you know more in depth way, and I got obsessed with mythology and started learning about Norse mythology, Chinese mythology, and just kind of really got into the history of different cultures and what their belief systems were. So that one was kind of fun for me. So I always enjoyed history and learning about the past. And I also had a teacher that kind of changed my life, kind of similar to what you were talking about. But uh, as a kid, I had a lot of energy. I was that ADD kid that was always, you know, couldn't pay attention, looking all over the place. And all the other teachers before told me, you know, you need to sit still, you need to put your hands like this, you need to pay attention no matter what, and they didn't really give me the time of day. I had one teacher who was like, hey, if you feel like you're having trouble paying attention, get up and move around the room. Like, go walk around and just, you know, still pay attention to class, but get out of your seat. And that changed my entire outlook on learning because it was something different. And I was active, my energy was being used, but I still was able to pay attention. So it was really cool that there was one teacher that kind of went out of her way to help me. Her name was Mrs. Cobb, by the way. I'm sure she's not listening. It's back in California. Uh-oh. But I still remember her, so she was she pretty cool. She sent her a letter, I think. Yeah, I she mean, was my first grade teacher. So I think I did a um, like a best teacher recognition in like sixth grade. And I wrote about my second grade teacher, and she had no idea until like it was submitted, and then she wrote me such a nice letter back about how it really like I think because teaching is so hard to get those little like moments of appreciation is just like life-changing for them too I'm not trying to like toot my own horn but I'm I'm a big fan of like thank you notes (laughs) one of my favorite subjects in school was I know it's kind of predictable because I'm African-American but I liked when we were talking about um, black history in school because not only was it interesting how much we learned about the same people everybody know, but I was more intrigued by the things that we don't realize affect us today. Like in school, we didn't learn about the Willie Lynch theory and how it was planned to, um, you know, um, separate and turn the reverse the roles of the male and woman and how those things still affect us today. It seems like we just brush over things. And I just think it's interesting how we're taught to not see all the real things that affect us today. It's also amazing how whitewashed our current history books are because there is so much that we are not taught in our basic social studies classes Mm -hmm. that is really quite disturbing. So 100% agree with you. I graduated high school, almost finished with college, and we still haven't discussed things like this. Um, I was an art major at the University of Memphis, but we had to take art history all four years. Um, And my concentration was African-American art. So I took a lot of um, African uh, art, like history, and that was my favorite. I had the same teacher every four <laughs> years, and I loved her, Ernestine Jenkins. If you ever got, if you guys ever take yeah, a class, I'm gonna go back. She's to amazing. <laughs> She's amazing. That's awesome. <laughs> and even with the art that we learned, I took African American yeah. literature, and it's just really cool to see how we've used art to get us through hard times and like oppression because the um, art and poems and stuff reflected and even music. So it's pretty cool. art is born. Yeah. (laughs) I think we can all learn a little bit about all types of arts too. Like, you know, performing arts, which is something very different and scary to do in the world. (laughs) I've never done it. Um, I kind of want to though. So I'm going to definitely come see your show. Yeah, please come out on June 4th. Yeah, June 4th. And make sure you look up playbackmemphis.org to see the schedule. And thank you guys so much for coming. Um, This has been awesome. We only got through a couple questions, but I like that part. We like to talk. So thank you guys for joining. See you next week. Peace.